You're listening to the Zoe Turner Podcast, business and mindset conversations that will help you move from fear and uncertainty to development and growth so that you can crush both life and business. Please welcome your host, Zoe Turner. I'm very excited to announce our new partnership with Roe and thank them for the support for this episode and future episodes. Today, we're saying goodbye to season one and hello to season two. The second season is all about celebrating incredible women and I couldn't think of a better person to kick this season off than my first guest today. What you may know about today's guest is she is a wife and mother to two amazing children. She's an incredibly talented artist. She's an ultra runner, having recently completed a 100-kilometer race. She's also an international model who has appeared in Vogue and major international advertising campaigns. But what you may not know about her is only one and a half years ago, she was working as a receptionist in, in a school, struggling with depression and struggling to make ends meet. Fast forward two years, and she is very much in demand as an international model. That's why I'm very excited about this interview, because this season is all about bringing you inspiring women from all walks of life who have an incredible story and message to share. And I have a feeling you're going to enjoy this lady's story today. So please welcome Caroline Laboucherie. Laboucher. Laboucher to the podcast today. Thank you. Welcome, Caroline. Thank you so much for coming on today. You're welcome. So, Caroline, you've been in the Middle East for as long as I can remember, definitely for as long as I have. Yes, we've known each other for a while, but don't know each other. Yeah, yeah, kind of like just through like triathlon circles. So, can you give us like a little bit of insight into your backstory? Um... Yes, as you were saying, when we met, it was a particularly bad time. Uh, My husband lost his job, and I couldn't actually afford to buy the medication, my happy pills, as I call them. Um, As you know here, you have to have a monthly appointment, and you have to then buy your pills. So it's a really expensive illness. So that was two years ago when we first met? That was actually five years ago. And Um, these pills, what were you taking the pills for? Okay. Uh, depression. Okay. I've taken them on and off. Um, I've tried to go off them uh, for 22 years, mm-hmm. um, but I'm happier on them. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. yeah it's, it's just works for me. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't see any reason to stop taking them. I have been running again on and off um, since I was about 16. Never seriously, just as a a means of fitness and keeping trim. Uh, And also it's a way that you can actually go out. It doesn't matter where you are in the world or what your frame of mind is, although it's hard to go. We've always had dogs and they get you out of the house because they have to be exercised. So you just put one foot in front of the other and... um, I don't tend to listen to music, so it's my thoughts in my head, really. I've always said, because as you know, I like to run as well, I've always said, like, running is like taking some medicine. How has that helped you with depression? Has that, well, it's, um, 
it is the only form of exercise uh, for me because if you're cycling, certainly here, you have to get in the car, you have to drive to where you're going and then tend to be with people. For me, I sort of withdraw. Um, so running is the easiest thing to do because you, if you're running by yourself, you can go any time that you can actually make yourself get out of the house. Um, and you can be alone. And, and I like to be alone. I pushed most of my friends away, actually. Uh, well, it does by the end of it because the endorphins have kicked exactly, in. Yeah. <laughs> um, but getting out of the house is hard. It's it's, it's really hard. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I can relate to that. And I think any runner, even people that don't have kind of like suffer from depression or mental health problems can relate to Yeah, because well. the first couple, five kilometers, uh, yeah. your legs feel like wood. And, yeah, those like yeah. first three to five. For me, it's about 3K, 2 to 3K, mm. but I'm not running the distances. Yeah, l last weekend we were happy up to about 50, 50 kilometers, and then things began to fall apart slightly. Um, but that was, uh, that was, it was mental, that what whole race. Through your mind when you're running that um, and you get into that stage in the race where it's all about mental. It was totally mental. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. I was with my husband, which was great. Uh, our son stopped at 86, which was really hard. It was like leaving your baby lion cub uh, wounded and walking away and just hoping that he would find his way back by himself, hobbling. Um, how, how come he pulled out? Too much pain. I think age really helps when you're doing an ultra because you've had some pain in your life and... Yeah you can bear it a bit more that's interesting that because i was thinking yesterday and i wrote it down and let me see if i can find it um tell me what you think of this um this is an analogy about life life is like an ultra marathon it starts off well but the longer you go the longer you're exposed to elements the longer on your feet the more challenging it is um and the more mentally challenging it I would say now I've never been as happy as I am now and, and I'm really excited it's my birthday this month I'm 55 and I'm really excited to be 55 I'm, I'm excited to be 60 I am going to be the best version of myself and better than I have ever been before so what is that is just exciting I'm excited to wake up every morning I have no idea what opportunity is going to happen any day, who I'm going to bump into, who I'm going to come across. Um, so for me, now is my time. Amazing. Why is it your time now? What's changed in your life? I feel more confident now. I, I'm sure that the the modelling. Uh, so I was I was found through my daughter, and then I was uh, flown to London, and I was given the job of this uh, number so one race. When was your first job? last year 2018 january january 2018 yeah and you so my daughter was working at the company in england mm -hmm. and they saw a picture of me and liked it so they flew me to england and they wanted to proceed so i was in their campaign which was in british vogue eight times in one year wow. so that was my first job oh my god 
I know. So that did help, I have to say, give me some confidence. Uh, but I did come back here and thought maybe somebody would be interested in me, but they weren't. Um, so it's taken some, taken some work. I had negative thoughts and thought, well, that was it. But it was the best day of my life, so it didn't really matter if that was it. But you kind of thought maybe it was, I was just one hit one Exactly. Exactly. But now, having had a mentor and speaking to people, I am the only one of me. So, and you are the only one of you. You have to be the best version of yourself and shine. And when you walk into a room, shoulders back, stand tall, whatever the feelings are inside, you just got to hustle. Tell me about your mentor um, and, and the impact that that's had on you. Um, yes, it was Kelly Lundberg. Okay, who, I recognize who, that name. She's a stylist, uh, okay. quite a big stylist here. So we weren't really on the same page as far as uh, her career and, and my career other than mm. some fashion um, knowledge on my part, a little and a lot on hers. Um, and we would meet uh, every week and we would, you know, she'd give me questions to, to fill out. And so it was a lot of soul searching through the exercises she gave me um, at, to realize that I am the only one of me and um, that I can be whatever I want to be, even though I'm 55. So that's the road I'm on. Fantastic. So you say you came back here after that job, you came here and it, and it wasn't as easy to kind of get, get other work. How did, when it, did things start to pick up for you? When did people start When I to made the decision, you? that's when it changed because I came back and, and nobody was, I just assumed because I'd been in British Vogue um, that somebody might have seen me and they'd want me for their campaign. But it, that didn't work like that. And then I went into the nobody does grey in Dubai because they don't. Um, and certainly nobody models uh, 50, uh, 55 here, 54, 55. So I did the, it's not going to work. I'm in the wrong place. No, 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 negative thoughts. And then through Kelly's help, I had my sheet of paper next to my toothbrush and I'll, I'm earning X amount of months and I'm meeting incredible people and uh, I'm in demand and I'm very grateful and thankful for everything that the universe has given me every morning, every night. Really? And my vision board... And had a vision board and yep. you're doing affirmations yep. every single day. Yep. And I truly believe in those things. Yeah, me too. Do you still do your affirmations? Oh, yes. I've changed them because I, I've ticked a few things off my uh, my list, which is great. Mm -hmm. Where do you see yourself in five years in, in terms of the modeling? I would hope that I will continue because I love it. I It's all new to me and I love walking in and not knowing what they're going to do to me. Uh, makeup wise or or fashion um, the the inspiration that the that the stylists have, so I hope I will be in demand more. I hope that I will still be looking my best i don 't hope I will be um, so there 's no reason that i shouldn 't just keep moving forward and you do have to hustle don 't you in whatever career you have. Um, 
You do. 100%. You, you have to hustle and you yeah. have to get yourself out there. You do. And, and make yourself About being seen. seen. But exactly. I've noticed that you're quite prevalent on social media, on Instagram and yeah. Facebook. That is a huge platform, actually. Um, Facebook, I don't do so much, but... Um, Instagram has has helped me because people write to me and say that I have helped them and if I can help anybody not sit on the sofa and just wait for life to happen and just get up and do something about it because hopefully I've got 50 years left on the planet Mm. so why wouldn't I do something about that Mm. no I think life's all about being flexible and being open to change Mm -hmm. which is obviously Mm. and opportunities and opportunity yeah Yeah. which is Mm. is what you're doing like you've embraced kind of the social media and and you're doing what you need to be doing and I ask my children and they say google it (laughs) mum which doesn't help very much so I do have to learn Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you another question then and I've completely forgotten what it was um Oh, but one, one question I am interested in, just out of it, it's a very selfish question and people probably haven't got a, a clue what it means. But when I first met you, you said you had a, I remember you said you were addicted to Coca-Cola and you were talking about hypnotherapy. I did have hypnotherapy and it did work. It worked. Uh, I started drinking coffee from the hypnosis. I had never in whatever it was, 53 years, never had a cup of coffee. Love the smell, hated the taste. So I went off Diet Pepsi completely onto coffee, which I now love and I drink a lot of. So I was off it completely for six months, then had the odd one for the next six months, and now I'm back on it. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So, But I don't feel any different to when I'm on it or when I'm off it. If I could pinpoint it's a placebo, it. placebo then. It must be a placebo. I just like the taste. Yeah. Of the coffee? Uh, no, of, of, of Diet Pepsi. Of the Diet Pepsi. Yeah. Okay. So I'll go off it again, and then I'll go through a spell of feeling guilty for drinking it. Um, but right now I'm going through a... Also, when I travel, I drink it quite a lot, mm-hmm. and we've just been to England, so... Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I know it's bad. I remember the question that I was going to ask you before now, and it was about you know, your modeling career and how you've been, like, discovered in your 50s and you've, you've, you've basically got a new lease of life. You know, you're at a time now where a lot of people think about retiring, but in many ways... This is the, first, the only career I've ever had, actually. Okay. So I've never wanted a career. Because mm-hmm. you were always a mom. Um, and an army wife. wife. Okay. And an army wife follows generally, general rule. But that was fine. That's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband, it was his job. So, mm-hmm. And he had that before he met me. So mm-hmm. I married the job as well as mm-hmm. my husband. But how has what you're going through now in terms of kind of becoming a model and, you know, I mean, you, there's some, so many beautiful pictures of you. I know when I was doing some artwork for the, this season and I was looking at your pictures, it was so easy to find Thank a you. nice one. Thank you. Um, and quite often, you know, I choose about three or four and I'm playing around with it forever. But every single one of yours that I chose, it was, was just very kind. like absolutely incredible. But what has this done for your mental health, you know, for your depression? I think, as I said before, I am more confident now mm. and I'm happy in my skin. It's 
the first time that I've felt in control of my life mm. ever because I've followed through my own choice and as you said just being a mum and now I don't have any responsibilities at all I still have children I still have a husband but I can say I'm going to Germany next week uh, and I do and I and I never wanted to travel alone before uh, in fact I would go as far as crying if I left home and left my family because um I was attached to my home. It was a security blanket wherever we lived because we moved a lot. Um, so I felt guilt and um, insecure and many feelings that I don't have now. Mm. I feel brave um, that I am able to do anything. Um, I'm thinking a fall may come ahead of me, but I feel prepared. You're thinking what? Uh, a fall may come at some stage. You know, there there are always negatives with positives, but I feel ready to, uh, as you said, also to embrace whatever mm. comes because you learn. That's how you learn in life, isn't it? For things, bad things, and good things to happen to you. Mm -hmm. um, that is why maybe in your 50s you are braver and um, more ready to take on a 100-kilometer race because you've got experience of life and the shitty bits and the good bits. Mm. Yeah, and that's an incredible feat within itself, just doing... Like, I'm ready to think about my next one. You know, yeah. Even in the car on the way here, I was thinking, what am I going to do next? And I even, uh, was it yesterday morning, never 100 kilometers. Why would you do that? I would never do that again. And I'm already thinking, perhaps I should try and do it faster. Perhaps I should do 100 kilometers again. So, yeah, <laughs> I've healed. It's like childbirth. You forget. Yeah, you forget. Uh, forget the pain and, uh, until you get there and think, oh, no, I remember now. And yeah. I shouldn't be doing this. Oh, but I had to finish. Um, that's, I'm very strict with myself. Mm. Don't give up. Who did you do that with? You did that with I did Max? it with David. David. Yeah, and Max, yeah. Did you and David run together or was... That was, I think, our error, was the three of us haven't trained together because Max is in England. So we were jogging at different times, walking at different times, waiting for each other, uh, waiting at aid stations for each other. Um, so yeah. looking back at it, that, that, that wasn't a good thing to do. I could have done it just with David. Or just with Max, mm. but three of us it was was not great. It was not good. Yeah, mm. I know. I mean, I've never done a hundred kilometer race, but I have run endurance before. I think the most I've ever done was about forty k. Sometimes, I guess it might be different when you're running with your family. But I know I like to when it gets to that point when it's kind of mental. I like to detach myself from everyone else because I don't want their their negative attitude yeah. to rub off on me because when you're going through that you're so vulnerable yes. when you're going through you don't that, need any negative and thoughts you don't need any so no. you know i remember when i used to do my long runs and you know it's amazing the crap that comes out of people's mouths when they're running and you know and it's just all negative it does, it and i'd just lot. be like see you later i'd cry often i was just running on my own in a yeah. group yeah but running on my own because it was the only with way that I thoughts. could get through it. Um, David, with the so I stayed with David solidly 
the last half we walked, so 21 kilometers we walked, and it was very slowly, very short steps. It was dark, and we were in the middle of nowhere up on the ridgeway, uh, so very dark. We had one head torch, and the path was rutted, you know, so you've got the tractor, uh, very dry also, so you've got the deep tractor marks, and then you've got a footpath, and you've got grass, and you can't really see where you're treading, so you just literally step into a ditch and that would jar your back and so I actually wish that I had <laughs> the vocals from the whole thing because it would be ooh ah ow. <laughs> um, a, a lot of that and I was I probably sounded like I was in childbirth because I was every step was painful and I was just going ooh, ooh, and I was cold I was shivering it wasn't cold but I was really cold and so then we decided to to create uh, running back here. So we'd say, okay, we're walking the dogs. We're going up. We're going our normal uh, ten kilometer route. Uh, we're going to pass security guard. Hi, Gideon. Uh, moving on, and we're walking the dogs. Uh, Moose is tired. Better pick Moose up. Oh, uh, Pie's done it. We both we were doing it together. <laughs> so then, uh, so, so then I'd say, oh, Pie's just done a poo. I'll just go and pick that up. And literally <laughs> just walking along, walking oh, around the ranches, and then we would go quiet for a long time. And I'd say. Are we at gate two yet? And he's uh, another 300 <laughs> meters. Yeah, and it took forever, but it really helped us yeah. get through. It sounds uh, crazy, but they're the things that you, that mm. you have to do. And luckily, I really do still like my husband. Mm. So it, it was amazing having him there because I actually, we also held hands. I held his little finger. Aww. So we, I mean, everyone's going, <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I held his little finger, and it was what, when, dire. You were, when you were running that twenty-one. We didn't run; we walked that oh, twenty-one um, uh, because it was dark. Also, mm. I didn't want to lose him, <laughs> and also it kept us at the same pace. Um, but it was mentally staggeringly tough. Mm. Yeah, amazing though. But you did it. Good memories. Yeah, you did it, and it's a good story to tell your grandkids. I know, and I know. pretty much if you can get through that you can get through anything you know it's yeah. like I was writing a section on my book the other day and it's all about using your resources within and um you know quite often we have the resources within us to 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 face anything in life everyone does it's like when somebody gets a, in a car accident somebody gets the strength to open the car door we all have it inside us it's just bringing it out mm. um and and happiness is that way you choose to be happy or not to be happy mm. obviously if there are medical conditions it's different but then you can choose to go and see one and go on medication or whatever helps you find the good path to go on mm. just talking about depression because it's only recently that it's something that i've thought a lot about and hence why I decided to, to write my book. Um, because people you often used to talk about being depressed. And I'll be completely honest, I ne could never really, I wasn't very em empath empathetic about mm -hmm. it. I often just used to think it was a label and it was just something that people had you created. Sort yourself out, yeah. That was sad yeah. and, you know, it was just something they'd created. And, but didn't and you? I'm, but didn't you think? I mean, I thought that about myself. Well, it was only until recently because I'd never experienced it. I'd had tough times, 
years. My life hasn't been easy. And I've had tough times, but I've never felt like really low until the last couple of years. And, and I remember thinking, oh my God, is this what depression feels like? And, and, I was, and that's why I decided to put pen to paper because I thought, you know, my, my, I was kind of like struggling. And so I really had to be quite strict with my life and what I was doing to be able to stay on top form. I remember at one point, like literally just forcing myself to go for a bike ride every morning because I thought that's going to be the difference between a good and a bad day if I don't. And it's literally just forcing yourself like to get out. When I did that, I would just, I'd be in a group that I didn't really want to be in. And I remember occasionally saying, go on ahead. And I would stop and I would just burst into tears. Um, And my best friend at the time, Tracy, occasionally came back and cycled back with me, which is a real pain in the neck. And no one wants anyone to do that. And and that's when I I moved to running because I didn't want to ruin anyone else's day. And I didn't, and you feel if you're... And it is true, if you're down, the people you're going to get the people around you down, which again, which is why I lost many friends. Mm. Um, it's very easy to be, it's easier to be insular. Yeah. Look, I mean, I've never been to the doctor, and I remember speaking to, well, not a conventional doctor, I'm not a massive fan of them, but I remember speaking to my Ayurvedic doctor, and he was like, and he meets people from all walks of life. Um, you know, he has people with quite significant mental health problems that go to see him. And he was like, Zoe, you're, you're sad. You have a sadness, but it's not depression. So then I thought, well, yeah, maybe, may, maybe it is. I mean, do you think there's a difference between, is there a difference between, is it something no, that pills we, we work if you're feeling sad within our own mind? Uh, I... There were a few times when I've come off it, but I came off it when I came to Dubai because I thought, Mm. I'm living in Dubai. The sun is out every day. How can anyone be sad? We're living in a lovely house. We have a swimming pool. How to get better than that? Uh, And then, yeah, crying. I mean, just horrible, just pathetic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to the doctor and they just said, yes, yeah, so there, there are uneven things going on in your brain and you need to take this pill and it'll even it all out, mm-hmm. which is exactly what it does until you stop taking it again, which was five years later when David lost his job. Mm-hmm. And then we were homeless. And, uh, and you stopped taking your... I had to. I couldn't afford to mm-hmm. buy them. Mm-hmm. The really living here without a job here. is really... Yeah, they are really expensive. They're yeah. like... And they two about sixty pounds for a month, sixty pounds for the pills, mm. and then you have to go to the doctor, which costs about another sixty pounds, and that's per month. So uh, it's not easy. Um, well, it's impossible if you're not earning. And uh, David was unemployed for six months, and it was it was the worst time of my life. A because of the medical side of it. Um, B because we were moving. House, we were dog sitting, house sitting, uh, moving around a lot wherever we could stay, and ended up in an empty apartment uh, without a cooker, without a fridge, uh, AC intermittent, intermittent, and sleeping on a mattress on the floor. Wow. And the alarm would go off. I'd never lived in an apartment like that. The alarm would go off frequently and you'd have to get the dogs and open the door. No one comes out of their apartment when the alarms go off in these. Did you know that? 
No one, no, no one comes out when no, the alarm because they go off so not. often. Absolutely, I know. So um, the dogs would howl every time mm. the alarms went off. Mimi was on a sun lounger. You often think, what if there's a real fire? I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, Mimi was on a sun lounger, um, and it was it was horrendous. It was really. And this was how long horrible. ago? That was five years ago for six months. Wow. And then uh, on top of it, I pushed all my friends away. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say that's my fault, but it wasn't my fault because it, I was really messed up. Um, but anyway, we got through it. Uh, we got very close to divorce uh, because David had uh, qualified for Kona and he insisted that he needed to go to Kona. So he went off to Hawaii and left me in this apartment, depressed. Um, with the two dogs and Mimi. With no medication. With no medication. And I cried a lot. And I was angry, really angry with him for going. But um, then, so then he was sitting in a coffee shop and um, uh, managed to, to partner up with these guys who already own this gym. And now he's a managing partner of that gym. Mm-hmm. And Which is optimal fitness. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And he's still going to Kona. He's going to Kona for the fifth time in October. Um, and I guess maybe he, I don't, I don't know. I was going to say maybe he needed to do that. I think for self-esteem, he needed to I do that. I was just thinking that. He probably needed But right then, I didn't care. <laughs> I really didn't mm. care. I was just angry. Um, but anyway, we came out I the other I think end. when we... Feel, uh, and I don't want to sound horrible when we say this, but when we're feeling quite low and depressed, we can get quite selfish, mm. and you can internalize things mm. and think, "Oh, it's, it's all about me." Do you think that's right? Oh, yeah, totally, um, totally. But uh, the change from that was that I spoke to somebody um, who I trust, and I've known her for many, many years, and she said, "You need to take control. Stop waiting for him to take control," which is exactly what I was doing. I was sitting there waiting for him to get a job i was working at the school but i was waiting for him but to fairness, do what he'd always done the hunter gatherer that's the life you'd always always lived you'd always exactly. lived you were like an army wife yeah and like you say they fit into a certain type of mold mm. and i was and wife of you were yeah. the wife of yeah um so how does how is David feeling now? His wife's like an international model. He's and, very happy. And she's got happy. a new career. And he's happy because I'm happy. Yeah. And, um, and being she's in, got in control of myself. Thousands of followers on Instagram. and <laughs> My tribe. I, I love being part of a tribe. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a good feeling. Um, but I think if the people around you are happy, that's, that's the win-win, isn't it? He must be very... Um, very proud of you. Luckily, he is very proud. Yeah, and he handles the um, he handles it all very well. He's a very good Insta husband, actually. Yeah, because he's very much been, like you say, he's been at the the front. Yeah. Um, all these years. Um, yes, yeah, so we've been married for twenty eight years. Twenty eight. Mm. Not only with his job, but with his triathlon everything and he excels well in that so for you to yes he has a very good following for that also mm-hmm. um i think he's quite liked by the community 
Um, but it's all, it's also quite nice. It was great doing the, the run together, but we lead very different lives, but, but love coming home to, mm. uh, and we're both quite homey people. So we don't really party. And if I do party, I party alone because he really doesn't like partying because you know what he's like. He has to go to bed by mm. nine because he's getting up at mm. three or four in the morning. Yeah. So yeah, quite different, but, uh, but we get back together again. Lived in Dubai, ten years this ten, year. Oh, ten years! Mm. So the same as mm. me. I thought you'd been yeah, the same as Andy, than... and yeah. And before... there was a bunch of us back then. It's crazy. And are you still happy in Dubai? Do you see yourself? Um, I've been ready to move on for a while. I'm. I really wanted to leave during that bad period. I would want to leave a sunny country and go back to a rainy one, I don't know. But I really, I just wanted to get out of town. And um, now I've just accepted it. We're here. We need to stay here for David's work. And we will move when we're ready to move. Yeah. And I guess with your job now, you're getting out which is going to be exactly. really good Exactly. Four times this year already, which is unheard of. I was lucky if I got away during one year yeah. before. So, yes, it, it does help, doesn't it, being yeah, able to get out? Yeah, definitely. But my dogs are here, so I miss them so much when so I go away. Tell me about your um, being an artist. Um, yes, you are reminding me that I have work to do. I do have work to do. I've got two got commissions to paint. Yes, I've, uh, and I'm I'm slacking. So I, it's really hard. I've got I've got as far as getting the easel out. <laughs> I really do need to sit down. And um, now the the race is over. It's it's easy. It's like going for that run. You know, once you tie your laces exactly. and you put one foot in front of the other, exactly. Yes, it will just flow. Yes, and I will start that this afternoon. I have no excuse not to. How long have you been drawing for? Uh, that was a case of uh, wanting to get the dogs painted and it being very expensive. So I thought I would draw them. Uh, we were living in England at the time and I just wanted to do pencil drawings, mm -hmm. but realized that my dogs are Vieslers and a Viesler in pencil would look like a Weimaraner, mm -hmm. which is gray. A minor mm -hmm. chestnut orange color. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't do pencil. I had to color. Uh, so taught myself pastel painting. So they're pastels. And I started, oh gosh, um, maybe 10 years ago, something like that. Your painting, your drawing's incredible. Thank you. So Thank there you. must have been a, a talent there. My mum is artistic. Mm -hmm. We've always said that we're more, and um, sewing, that sort of thing, creating mm -hmm. is, is our back rather than, um, mm -hmm mathematics and mm. stuff like that mm -hmm. yeah i mean i remember seeing some of your pictures um some of your drawings and just how realistic they are just thank you i haven't actually drawn uh drawn for at least a year and my eyesight when you hit 50 your eyesight deteriorates uh so i do have to wear glasses to uh, look at my phone or, or computer. So it will be interesting to see what this next painting comes out like. We'll see. Hopefully I've still got it. It's you know, I've always had perfect eyesight. But I'm I have always, to say, I know. Recently, I'm like struggling to see things. I know. Thinking, There's oh a muscle that uh, deteriorates and uh, 
stops you saying properly. So, I was looking at one of your posts on social media the other day, and you were pictured with your beautiful daughter, Mimi, and you mentioned that she was born through IVF. Yep, Are both of them. Yep, both of them. Yep, interesting. Four attempts with Max. Are you able to um, share some of the uh, the trauma that journey? That was never really. Tra- it, of course, it was traumatic, but it was never traumatic in that I had the mindset that it was going to work from the first one failing to the fourth one. Who's the eldest, Mimi or Max? Max. Max and is twenty-four. How old were you when you had Max? Uh, Thirty. And Mimi. Uh, there are 23 months between them. Okay. So, um, so I had two ectopic pregnancies and then had to be sterilized. What's an ectopic pregnancy? When the, the, um, embryo grows in your tube, Mm -hmm. doesn't go all the way through, Mm -hmm. so it gets stuck. Mm -hmm. So they decided they had to sterilize me. That was upsetting Mm -hmm. because that was the end of, uh, getting pregnant alone. Um, and having a mistake, uh, which I always thought would be lovely to have a mistake. Oh, they sterilized you? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so we did IVF in uh, they Germany. They sterilized you after the IVF? No, no, no. They sterilized me after the two ectopics okay. because it was clear that I was not going to be able to grow a baby in my womb. It was always going to get stuck. I probably sound really ignorant here. So, so you've got you two tubes. St- you can still have IVF when you've been sterilized. Yes, because they're putting in the embryo to where it should be. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're putting it to where it couldn't get to. Okay. So we're still producing eggs. Mm-hmm. And David was fine and he's doing his bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were living in Germany. We did Germany. We did London. We did Germany again. Then we were moved to Canada and went to Ottawa and it worked there. So he was made in Ottawa. So um, Max was your fourth attempt at IVF. Correct. Yeah. And it was always going to happen for me in my head. Mm. Uh, and then Mimi, we were in India, and it is a lot cheaper in India. A lot. Uh, so we thought we'd have a go. I was only six and a half stone there and didn't think it would work because of my weight. You were six and a half yeah. stone. Yeah, tiny. We lived there for a year. And Where I, in India did you live? In the south. Whereabouts? Uh, Tamil Nadu, in the Nilgiri Hills, in a place called Wellington. So, David, didn't, there's an exchange program. Yeah, I go to India a lot. And I love like it. Panchakarma. Have you heard of Panchakarma? No. Oh, it's incredible. So it's like an Ayurvedic treatment. I've been going for 10 years. Wow. I go for like a month and I have like daily treatments. Ooh, ooh, heaven. Yeah, it's beautiful. And that's in South India and in Kerala. Um, that was it, yeah. We were a bit further north, Bangalore. We were near You're Bangalore. You were in Bangalore. So you had yeah. IVF in Bangalore? In Delhi. In Delhi. Yeah, so I went off to Delhi for six weeks. Did that work the first time in India? Yes, it did. Yeah, so Mimi's our Indian baby. And we were incredibly lucky. But she has the character of her embryo. Mm. She was going to be made. And uh, she is. Did you freeze your eggs? With. Did you have like a number of eggs? I didn't that you actually, froze? no. So each time you kind of like had to go through that whole injection thing. David got very good at giving me my injections. Mm. And yeah, it was just a, a case of waiting for it to happen. Mm. 
So I would like to have had three children, but uh, we were very lucky to get a boy and a girl, so Definitely. stuck on that. Definitely. And you're a very good-looking family as well. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I say to, to each of the children, I look at them, I say, Mimi, you need to marry somebody with a jawline because we need jawline <laughs> blood in the family. So how supportive of Mimi is regarding your modeling career? Given that your daughter's a model herself, yeah? Yeah, she was a model before me. She started at 16, okay. left school early, mm -hmm. uh, went to London, and did really well. Um... She's working now. She decided to give up the modeling because of the pressure that it put on her. She wasn't happy with that. And she's dipping back into it now, which is great. And we're working together, which okay. is really good fun. That's good. Mm. That's good. So that's going well? Is, is she, oh, we're just starting she, out on this road a, together. Has she been envious at all, would you say? I think I both of the children were very, in, very intrigued by the Instagram Mm. Uh, because we were both uh, uh, a year and a half ago, we were both around. Well, they both had ten, eleven thousand, and I probably had six. And mine just zoomed. How did that? And is that all organic? Yes. Yeah. There was there was one lady from uh, from London, an Iranian lady, and I wish I could remember her name, but I'm really sorry, I can't. And she posted a picture of me and said goals or something like that. I woke up in the morning, I had 2,000 extra followers just from that just story. The, what, sorry, what did she post? She just put a picture up, a, a story up of, mm -hmm. of me on her page, and she had a many, 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 many followers um, saying goals or look at this gray hair or something like that. And, and I got 2,000 just from that. So uh, reposting is incredibly helpful. Really growing. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So I like to, to repost if I meet someone, and I love meeting up with people uh, wherever I am and having a coffee with them or just having my Stories. photograph, and I like to put their name up on my page and say thank yeah. you for the love yeah, because it's important to, to <sighs> women supporting women at the end of the day. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And your story is a really interesting one. I. Just talking to you now about, you know, your struggles having children and, like, your life has been very, very much kind of up and down over the years. But, but you've got through it, and it's, it's incredible. But you do and look back and you uh, even feel guilty for, for thinking that they were really bad times because we weren't on the streets. So they were not that bad. But to me, at that time, yeah. it was tough. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's always somebody worse off. Yeah. But when you're experiencing that, it's, yeah. it is. It's yeah. all about you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 100%. Um, are you, one, one question, are you a shy person? I used to be, I hated having my photograph taken. Um, and my mother hates having her photograph taken. So, so I think that ironic. was just, uh, I know, weird. Um and I did actually flirt with modeling once with Mimi uh, back in 2015 and felt incredibly uncomfortable and very shy and was happy to stand behind her because it was her back, not mine. And uh, you couldn't be shy 
being the wife of, really, because you did have to, part of the job was standing up and speaking to people and looking after them when all the men were off in Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever it was, you were, to a certain extent, responsible for them. So I guess you learn to ignore any feelings like that because you have to take control and make yourself do it. It has to be done. A it's a job. Pu- a lot of public speakers are quite are introverts and shy. Yeah, it's really I, public speaking has has uh, it has changed. I have um, Andrea Zoya. I had a few uh, classes with her, and that definitely helped. Looking in the mirror and not looking at the camera. Excuse me. And literally, she would pass me an item and say, "Tell me about this." I've got a minute. And just repeatedly take that away, give you another item, speak about it, tell me, tell me. And that, but you know, by the end of that, you're just at it. I mean, you just got it. Mm. Uh, so it's practice. Yeah. I've heard Andrea's really good. Mm. With, she is very good. Courses. And she's sweet. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I know there's, I mean, I'm ne- naturally, I was incredibly shy when I was at school. Um, so, so shy. And, um, Obviously, over the years, you know, you kind of come out of your shell a little bit. But even just doing this podcast myself, um, it sometimes I listen to myself and I completely cringe. And but you know, it's like you say, a lot of it's just practice. I don't listen to myself. I find it easier not to. not to. But I do. I remember being at school and the the headmistress would stand on stage at assembly and say, "Somebody did X Y Z," and I remember blushing. You know, I didn't even know let alone do what she was talking about. But I did you blush? I blushed terribly for I, years. I would go red. <gasps> it's a terrible feeling. And thank goodness I grew out of that. Yeah. That would be awkward. I still do go red sometimes. <laughs> do you? <laughs> uh, yeah, well I'm sure I'm I'm sure in right circumstances I could do that. Okay, well, I think we've been talking now for about forty five minutes and I like to keep these relatively short for about thirty minutes. Um, so we've well, like thank you. Over. Thank, thank you, you very much. So much for being a guest today. You're welcome. It's been wonderful to speak to you. And thank you to Rove for allowing us to use their venue because they're sponsors. They're new sponsors of the Simply Flawsome podcast, Rove Hotel in the Marina. I've never been here before, but it's actually lovely. Beautiful. Really, I love the spaces. Yeah. yeah. Really I was very, very fresh. unexpected. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.